Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group, who is the holistic financial planning firm responsible for bringing you this show. April is Autism Awareness Month, and I wanted to start out the show today highlighting a nonprofit organization that offers some great support services not only for kids on the autism spectrum, but also for those who interact with them. And then our second guest is all about faith, hope, and love, extended not only to kids on the autism spectrum, but also to kids experiencing other sorts of challenges. Joining us today for the first half of the show is Denise Shamans, co-founder and creative director from Good Friend, Inc., which is an organization whose mission is to create autism awareness, teach acceptance of differences, and foster empathy. So welcome to the show today, Denise. Thanks, Jill. I'm so excited to be back in the studio with you. Yes, you you joined us, oh, probably, what, a couple years ago yeah, when we were recording? Three. Yeah, in yeah. the iHeartRadio recording studio, and, and it's just a little bit different here. We're in a smaller space, but still fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you start by giving us a little background on Good Friend, Inc.? Sure. So... Uh, we began in 2007. I had uh, been in a role in the school district of Waukesha as a parent liaison or family engagement liaison. Um, it was a, a volunteer position at the time. And the, the great outcome of that was the benefit of going to lots of national conferences. So learning about communication style, learning about special education, uh, learning about all the different um, disabilities that are represented in our community and how I can be a bridge to families that were newly diagnosed to the school system. So in doing that, I had a support group and I had about nine to 12 parents that would show up at the support group. But in that district, we had over 150 families that needed some sort of special education service. Wow. So I knew I, I wasn't reaching very many people. And it was frustrating. So I did that for three years, but I had another mom that would come, and she's the binder girl. She's the lady that had all the resources. <laughs> I'm an artist by trade, so I'm not. I'm just all touchy-feely. And she's all, this is what is the latest and greatest, and I've researched it. We and, always need one like that, don't oh, we? Totally, yeah. yeah. So her Compliments name's, you know, bring you together, and now you got the best of both worlds. Exactly. So her name's Chelsea Booty, and her and I joined forces in 2007. She has two kids on the spectrum, a boy and a girl. Um, they are now young adults, as are, is mine, all of mine. I have three. And my middle son has autism. Uh, he is 22. So we, um, as our journey started in 2007, we created our first film, which was for elementary age students and peers. And then as our kids got older, we produced and made a middle school film. And then they kept growing and we kept presenting. Um, and so as things progressed, we uh, took our services, you know, and redid our films in the elementary and the middle school again. And so now we've been in over 100 schools. We've presented to 54,000 students. 
um, and not slowing down. So that's kind of our history. Wow. Well, you talk about films. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what is it that makes Good Friend Inc. unique Mm -hmm. in the autism space? Is it the films? Well, the films are part of it, but I think what people misunderstand about our organization is we don't directly service people with autism. So our services are for everyone else. We're trying to create a community of engagement, of acceptance, of appreciation. So that's what we're trying to do. And so when we go out into the community, we're trying to educate everyone else about autism. And many times people think we're directly servicing individuals on the spectrum, and we're not. So I think that's what makes us unique is that we're trying to educate everyone else. You're advocating on behalf. Correct. Right. Okay. So then you mentioned that you have a 22-year-old son Mm -hmm. who's on the spectrum. Is that why you got involved? Exactly. I mean, as I told you, I'm an artist. So I went to school for commercial and fine art. That was not the plan. So (laughs) I um, stayed home with my boys when they were little. And my son had developmental delays from the beginning, from the get-go. But we didn't know he had autism until he was three. So that kind of whole shifted my world, and I'm just that kind of a person that I jump in and I try to do what I can to make a better place for him. So that kind of was how I got into just the whole idea of special education and understanding what families are going through and what is needed and all that kind of stuff. No better person than someone who experiences it themselves, right? definitely the passion. Yeah, you experienced it yourself, you understood uh, what your son needed, right? Uh, and so then you went to work and put something together to to, to help with that. Exactly. Um, the prevalence of autism in Wisconsin has nearly tripled mm-hmm. since 2002, which that's the year we began monitoring it in our state. Although Wisconsin continues to be lower than the national level, the kids with autism increased from one in 92 in 2016 to one in 54 mm-hmm. in 2019. So. What types of things has Good Friend Inc. done in recent years as a response to these numbers increasing? Yeah, I mean, our focus has always been as many people as we can that can hear our message is is what we're trying to do. So uh, making sure that we're trying to get in as many group and as many schools as we possibly can. So anyone that interacts with someone on the spectrum needs our training just to have some kind of appreciation. And you uh, tell us where you where you've been and mm-hmm. where you're going. You know some of the schools that you're in already. Is mm-hmm. it primarily Waukesha County? Yeah, I mean we've been forced to kind of stay since it's Chelsea and I doing the initial presenting. We've had a 75 mile travel radius. Um, so unless you know someone pays for our services, like we did go to Michigan and and Illinois and Ohio, but. Um, that's few and far between. So it's mostly been within that 75 to 100-mile radius Okay. For us. Okay. And then, so you're going into the schools. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you're getting lots of calls from the schools because mm-hmm. of these increased numbers we talked about. How do you then measure your impact? I mean, do you, do you know how many people yeah, have been I mean, impacted? We, you know, we usually take our, our numbers based on the children that we serve. So depending on what, when we set up our contract with the school, we have a, a number. So if it's an individualized workshop, we have, you know, a set number of students. So that all goes into our account. And then if we do a guest lecture, how many students are there, and that goes into our account. So we're always making sure that we're taking that idea and the number that we need Um, to do that. And then, you know, what's kind of difficult is understanding really the impact, because we're trying to create this 
culture of acceptance and empathy, some of that is not measurable. Right. And then they can take it beyond the walls of the school. Mm. That's our hope. And I would, I'm just guessing that you can measure your impact by watching the people and how they interact. So you're helping them understand the best way to interact and to be a good friend. And when you see them being a good friend, there's your answer right there, right? And we live in a time where, you know what, it's not about awareness anymore. Even though April is Autism Awareness Month, it's now kind of like acceptance. Like most people are have heard the word autism, and so they're familiar with that. It's not so much just knowing what that word is. Now it's really understanding what autism is. Mm. And so the impact is there. Mm. Well, so the list of services that you provide include things like peer sensitivity workshops, mm-hmm. um, individualized classroom presentations, citizen training, sibling shops. You do work with the Girl Scouts, and these programs are offered to kids from kindergarten through high school. But what if someone has an adult child with autism spectrum disorder or ASD? Do the services stop once they graduate from high school? Stay tuned to hear more from Denise on what Good Friend Inc. is doing for adults on the spectrum to help them become self-sustaining, productive members of society. We'll be right back after our next commercial break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Denise Shamans, co-founder of Good Friend, Inc. So national data shows that most autistic adults are unemployed or underemployed despite having the skill sets and the expertise to excel in the workplace. Hmm. But let's talk about this 85% Mm -hmm. of unemployed or underemployed adults with ASD. Mm -hmm. I saw a survey not too long ago that was done in 2019 that asked what types of adult support services are most lacking in the community for adults with ASD. Employment and job training was the highest Mm -hmm. at 46%. And there were comments attached to that category, like uh, they had concerns about uh, a lack of employers to connect with that are willing to take a chance and hire a person with autism, focusing on their abilities instead of their autism. Focus on what they can do, right, not what they can't. And job training other than sheltered workshops. So what is Good Friend Inc. doing to help in this challenging area? Yeah, so it's pretty exciting for us. As I told you, we didn't make our our newest training or our newest films until we were living it with our kids. And so now all, all of our kids are young adults and are looking for employment. So now we're in that space. So we try to make sure that we're living in that space to give it the respect that it needs and really research it. Um, this is a big hurdle that we've been knowing has been coming up um, this whole workforce place. Um, so we're ready to jump in. We're, we're really about partnerships and collaborating. So we don't want this to be all about us. We want to be the type of organization that will open people's eyes to seeing the value in employing somebody with a neurodiversity. And so that's what we're trying to do is we're just trying to, to go in, let them understand the employers or the HR, whoever that is that makes that decision in that workplace understand the value of employing someone. And then we can bring in the organizations that have the job coaches and that can do the training that's required to keep that employee there. So it's kind of twofold what we're trying to do. We're trying to train 
employers, HR reps in thinking about the value, but we also want to train the peers, so have those natural supports, because that's what we do in the schools. Right. We're trying to help bring in natural supports by explaining it and explaining what simple accommodations there are. And so we want to do the same thing in the workforce. And so how are you getting the word out on that? Are you just, are you going to visit large corporations or are you, maybe uh, we want to put a shout out there for these corporations right. that are looking for something like that, right? right? So that they just contact you and say, hey, you know, we want what you have. Yeah. And we invite you in for a lunch and learn or, you know, a Saturday afternoon or something like and that. And that's exactly what we're doing. So we have a heavy presence on LinkedIn. So we are doing lunch and learns two every other month. So we're having two coming up in May um, that you can look on Good Friends LinkedIn page for that information. But yeah, so we're trying to have those conversations we're also aligning ourselves with other organizations where DEI is very important. So we just did a presentation for MRA, and um, they have a whole I lead kind of module that they're starting with all of their different HR representatives. And so we kicked that off last week with a whole kind of let's talk about autism, let's talk about that whole sector that needs to be tapped into, and then reaching out to different HR people in in that space, too, and helping them see the value. I just had a conversation with a staffing agency, helping them understand, because they said it's so hard. They have all these employers looking for employees. And I said, I've got a whole bunch of people that need that kind of attention. Yeah. So yeah, we're trying everywhere. We love alliances. We love connecting with people. I love connecting with people. So any chance that we can to talk about neurodiversity and talk about how Good Friend can support an organization, we're all for it. Okay, so if you are a business looking for that a support service, you can reach out to Good Friend Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, like you said, you you do a class where anybody that's interested in that information can come in and learn more about it. Yeah, and we've been doing it virtually too. So okay. whatever is the easiest way to reach your your staff, um, however those numbers look, we can we can adjust. All right, super. Tell us about some other exciting things on the horizon for Good Friend Inc. Well, that is the biggest, right? So moving into that employer uh, universe is uh, huge for us. So um, also virtually, I mean, we've had to pivot. I know everybody hates that word, but we've had to do that. And we've had to offer our services virtually. So we are in schools now and we're offering them via Zoom, whatever platform they're using, we're presenting in. So what that does for us is that opens that line, that whole, you know, border that we had. So now we can present wherever. We can present in California. We can present in Europe, whatever. It, it doesn't matter now. So that's huge for us mm-hmm. because before we were so small. So now we want to take this national. We would really like to have the opportunity to share what we're doing here elsewhere. And I think, like so many things, there's purpose in the pain, right? You know, yeah. when I had to learn how to Zoom in order yeah. to do the uh, the radio show, uh, just like you said, it opened up uh, a way to communicate that we had not thought about prior to yeah. because we just didn't have to. Yeah. And so, yes, it took a little bit of a – there was a learning curve there, but I think once we, we got that handled, um, we were just able to offer – something that we hadn't been able to do before, and that exactly. is interview people that are not located directly in our area. Yeah. Um, so you never know. There's there's purpose in the pain, as yeah. we say. <laughs> yeah. And that time, talent, and treasure can come from whomever, wherever now. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you mentioned that you've had to pivot. You, mm-hmm. You've uh, needed to shift things up a bit um, because of the pandemic. You want to talk a little bit more about that over and above the virtual options that you talked about before? Yeah. So the the other big thing that we did in um, 2020 was we rebranded. When we started our organization, we had used two puzzle pieces that were connected. So we had a green and a blue puzzle piece that were connected, and we felt that was a great representation of what we were doing because at the time, everything's puzzle pieces. Everything in the autism community is puzzle pieces. But as we start listening to adults and those that can verbally talk to you or tell you their desires and their wishes, the puzzle pieces had a negative feeling for them. Okay. And so we've been hearing that for years when we've gone to conferences and presented. And we just kept saying, oh, it's because we educate you and you fit together. But um, 2020 forced us to look at ourselves and what we're doing and how we're representing ourselves. And if we're trying to interpret uh, the autistic world and do it respectfully, we have to listen to their wishes. So we decided to rebrand over the summer and we came out with a new logo that has three um, individuals on it, no puzzle pieces. So we got rid of the puzzle pieces and we did a survey. We had three logos that we put out there to the community. And we did a blind survey to see what was the most favored. And the one that we have is the one we chose. Ah. Yeah. So community involvement in that decision. Yes. Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys do so much for the autism sector uh, population, if you will. Um, you do so much. You give so much. How can we as a community support you? Yeah. Well, time, treasure, talent. Okay. So we have many opportunities. We have three committees, a fundraising committee, marketing committee, and programs committee that all need people with whatever their superpower is to help us out. You don't have to have a direct connection to autism to be part and have a voice in those committees, um, as well as you don't need to be local. So we can Zoom you in. We can WebEx, whatever we need to do to get you to be participating in those committees. We're not back face-to-face yet either, so... Our committees are all meeting virtually. Um, So that's a big one. Um, They can always find us on all the social media platforms. Again, they could go to our website to find that information. Um, They can get a hold of me directly. I'm on LinkedIn under Denise Shamans. Um, I love connecting that way. Check out our Lunch and Learns and be part of the Lunch and Learns and have a voice in those. And then... Yeah, just volunteering at some of our events if you are local and you want to have something fun to do. We have three big fundraisers a year, so there's lots of opportunity there. And then they can always, you know, donate or be one of our super sponsors and uh, sponsor one of our events or sponsor our SIB shops, whatever that looks like. And is uh, the option to donate on your website? Yes. Okay. So that makes it really easy. Yes. Okay. Just scroll down. There's a big red, I think it's red, big donate button. Okay. Can't (laughs) miss it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, share then what's the best way to get a hold of you. So you can, uh, of course, visit our website, goodfriendinc.com. Or um, email me directly. It's just Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, at goodfriendinc.com. And then, again, all the social media stuff. So LinkedIn is Denise Shamans. Um, I'm on Instagram. Good Friend is on those platforms as well. Okay, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Denise, thank for giving you. us a really good overview on what Good Friend Inc. does and 
for helping us understand how we can come alongside adults and kids that are on the spectrum and be a good friend. So thank you for being here today. Thanks, Jill. This is great. You're welcome. Well, what about some other areas where kids may struggle? How can we as a community come together to help kids who are in challenging or maybe even crisis situations? Stay tuned to hear how one organization is using faith, hope, and love as one way to offer help. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Heather Lojeski. She is the co-founder and executive director of Faith, Hope, and Love. Just Love that name. Love that name. Welcome to the show today, Heather. Thank you so much, Jill, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're excited to hear all about those those three things that are wonderful, faith, hope, and love. You and your husband, Mark, are the founders. Tell us why you started this organization. So for Mark and I, um, we started uh, first and foremost because we were foster parents uh, for two years. And during the time that we were foster parenting, we saw children come in and out of our homes with either a black trash bag with their personal belongings, a paper bag with their personal belongings, or they came with nothing at all. And a lot of times, even when they would come with their personal belongings, they were either two sizes too big, two sizes too small. Um, so we saw that there was a definite need there. Uh, We also worked for a camp for abused and neglected children, and at that camp, again, we would see the same thing where the children might come with not the right um, items needed for camp, or they might come with items that were too big. It was a sibling's, you know, swimsuit that's three sizes too large. Mm. Um, So again, you're seeing that same need. And um, so for us, that was one of the reasons we did it. Um, For me, it's personal, though. Um, I grew up in a really abusive home, and... I always say when you're in that situation as a child, when you grow up, you can go one of two ways. You can either heal and grow through it, or you can fall by the wayside and fall through the cracks. Um, And I watched my sister fall through the cracks, and she ended up in and out of the prison system. She ended up in and out of drug rehab centers. She's lost parental rights to three of her children. Um, and I truly believe had someone have stepped in and showed love to her and showed that there was a community that cared, her outcome would be so different today. Mm-hmm. And so that's my big why I do what I do. Mm. And like we talked about with Denise, what better person to figure a solution than the person that went through the problem, right? Correct. I mean, you experienced that. And so now you want to do something that is going to help for that in that situation. Um, Tell us about the mission. So our mission is building faith, hope, and love in the lives of children in crisis. Um, We want them to have faith that tomorrow is going to be a better day, hope that they can get through the situation that they're in, and know that there is a community that loves them and is surrounding them. Mm, How beautiful is that? Everybody needs that, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. Well, There are statistics that support the need for an organization like Faith, Hope, and Love. Take a listen to some of these stats. Wisconsin Public Schools reported that during the 2017-2018 school year, an estimated 18,000-plus 
public school students experienced homelessness over the course of the year. And of that total, 316 students were unsheltered, 2,200 plus were in shelters, 1,100 were in hotels and motels, and 15,100 were doubled up with other family members. Also, Wisconsin has a reputation for being in the top five states for sex trafficking. That's another topic that is being discussed a lot today. Um, nearly 90,000 Wisconsin kids have had a parent behind bars. And lastly, uh, but not least, of course, an average taxpayer spends more than 300000 on public assistance and incarceration costs over the lifetime of each individual that ages out of the foster care system. So these are just a few statistics. I'm sure there are a ton more. So there's no shortage of kids needing help. What other crisis situations does Faith, Hope, and Love assist with, and what specifically are the programs that you offer? So uh, we offer programs both for foster care, uh, homeless and domestic abuse shelters. We work with first responders, local hospitals, and local schools. Um, Two of the bigger hospitals that we're working with currently is Aurora Hospitals and Children's of Wisconsin Hospitals. Um, And we do programming for children that are recovered from human trafficking. Um, We work with law enforcement for when there's calls for domestic abuse, for child abuse, um, for sexual assault. Um, We work with them for even fires and car accidents. Um, There's been several fires in our local community, and we have stepped up and made sure that the children within the community that are impacted by these fires have new clothing and they have um, new bedding and they have uh, new toys because all their toys have been destroyed. So um, that's how we're utilizing our programs. Mm. And how are the kids referred then? You said you're working with children, so they refer them. But can somebody, I don't know, let's say somebody sees that there's a child in crisis, can they just directly call you for to intervene, or is there a referral process? So all of the children that we support are referred to us through the agencies that we work with. So it's either through a local school, a hospital, a foster care department, or a first responders department. Okay, so if there's somebody that sees a child that they feel is in need, they should call one of those services, which in turn will reach out to you. Correct. Okay, so they should not call you directly. Okay, do you only serve kids in Racine and Kenosha counties? No, we're actually, as of the end of 2020, we are in 10 counties across the state of Wisconsin. Nice, nice. So you've got far-reaching Uh, support. Yes. That's wonderful. So there's a staggering number of kids in the foster care system. I had interviewed, I think, two organizations uh, last year that represented kids in foster care. So we know that there's a large number of kids out there that are in need of homes. Tell us what would happen if there was no Duffels for Kids program. So if there were no Duffels for Kids program, um, typically what would happen when a child's removed from their home, um, imagine you're seven years old, and you're asleep in your bed, it's late at night, and you hear loud knocking on your doors, you hear loud voices, and into your bedroom walks a police officer or a caseworker, and they give you or inform you that it's no longer safe to be in your home, they typically would give out a black trash bag 
give them five minutes to remove their personal belongings um, and they need to leave. I don't know about you, but me, I would be scared Mm. um, having to go through that and then be completely embarrassed at only having a trash bag to carry my things in. Um, And a lot of times the kids at that age, do they really know what to grab? Right. Do they know what to bring? Um, And I think that's where a lot of times we see that the sizes are like two sizes too big or two sizes too small because someone's just grabbing what they see, Mm. not realizing that may not fit the child. Um, So without our program, that's all the officers have is they have a box of trash bags in the back of their squad car. So with our program, we make it so that bag is compactable and they can fit it neatly within their squad car. It doesn't take up a lot of room. It expands out when the child opens it so that there's room for their personal belongings. But inside they have the fleece blanket, stuffed animals, storybook, coloring book and crayons, a flashlight and personal hygiene items. That is so awesome. I think we take for granted, don't we, at times that, um, you know, that they're going to have what they need because there are a number of social services out there that are lending support. But unless you're actually experiencing that yourself or you've been, uh, you've helped somebody that is in that situation, you don't realize that they really don't have the things that they need. And so do you accept donations for those things that go in the duffel bags or do you go out and buy them yourself? Uh, we do a little of both. Um, we have people that will donate. We ask if you're donating items that they are new because that's one of the um, core values for our organization is we give out new items. These children have been traumatized. They have been through enough that they deserve to have that new item, and most of them don't know what it's like to have new. Um, the very few children that we've actually seen receive the f- clothing um, they their faces light up and some of them they don't understand that you're like it's for you and they won't even open the bag because they don't understand that it's Mm. new clothes in that bag Mm. is that your most popular program would you say yeah um that program is the program we initially started with it's our largest program it's uh, and it's probably the most utilized program in the counties that we're in Mm -hmm. so if you uh are aching to get involved, that's a a big area of need, right? Um, We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to learn more about some exciting things Faith, Hope, and Love has in store for this year and beyond. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in our last segment with Heather Lojeski, co-founder and executive director of Faith, Hope, and Love. So lots of great things going on over there at Faith, Hope, and Love, and you're leading by example, which is awesome, Heather. Um, What's the most exciting news for 2021? Um, so as you and I, Jill, were talking, um, it's funny, our website has to be updated because not only are we in 10 counties now with our Duffels for Kids program, but within the next six months, we will be in 12 counties. Yay! Yeah, we're Wonderful. super excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Our ultimate goal is to get into all 72 counties across the state of Wisconsin. So this is just getting us one step closer to that. Um, and then... 
the other information that we have is we are going to be moving to a new location for our actual organization. It is three times the size of our current location, so it will allow us to continue to create those expansions. And uh, so you can find out further information um, just staying um, tuned to our website where we make our announcements and soon we'll be announcing where that new location is. Wow, that's a cliffhanger, I think. You know, that's a dot, dot, dot. We got to wait and see when is that going to be. But that's exciting because it proves that what you're doing is working and that people want the services that you're providing. And so that's that's wonderful. Um, What are some of the achievements that you're most proud of that took place in 2020? So we were talking about exciting news coming up, but what about in the past? So I think the most exciting um, achievement that we had last year is we launched a brand new program. Um, It is our Sensory for Kids program. Uh, It's to benefit children um, by creating a distraction, easing their anxiety, and building rapport. It's for children that are on the autism spectrum or who are highly traumatized. Uh, That program currently is in its pilot model stage. It's being offered to um, law enforcement and local hospitals. They're testing it for us. Um, We're doing some tweaking to make sure we've got this um, set up as high of quality as we do our Duffels for Kids program. Uh, This program actually came about because a Racine County supervisor came to us and uh, recognized that we had done our Duffels for Kids program with such high quality and said, here's a need within our community. Can you help us? Um, and so we started to research and put together our Sensory for Kids bags. It's a drawstring bag filled with noise-canceling headset, weighted lap blanket, uh, nonverbal communication cards, a dry erase board with marker and erasers, fidget toys, safety lollipops, and sunglasses. Um, and those can be carried easily in squad cars. They will be in local hospitals. Um, we're working to get those in schools and foster care and the shelters as well. Hmm, wonderful. Lots of things, lots of exciting things. We That took place in, in 2020, um, so we would be remiss if we didn't bring up Another thing that happened in 2020 <laughs> that uh, I think sometimes people would just rather forget, but um, uh, you talked about coming up with a new program, but uh, what else have you had to do? Has your delivery of services had to change at all given the pandemic? As Denise mentioned today, it's the favorite word, pivot. Um, we've had to do a lot of pivoting. Um, so one thing that we have seen, um, some of our programs have go- had have had to take a um, suspension, as you would say. Um, we've suspended them for a year, um, and it's actually looking like closer to two years we're going to suspend our Blast Pack program. That is our program for children that visit parents that are incarcerated, and right now there are no in-person visitations taking place. Oh, okay. We don't have any information as to when that might resume. Um, so that program has been suspended for now with hopes that we'll be able to bring it back by the end of 2021, but I just don't know. Um, and then the other thing we have seen um, increase in some needs with our Duffels for Kids program. Um, we've seen increase mostly in our infant and toddlers um, because those are the ones that they're seeing in the hospital due to um, drug-related um, issues. And so 
Uh, they're seeing the children come in there. We get them the duffels for kids, and then we also help with any clothing needs that may occur in that situation. Um, and then um, the other thing we've seen is just the change in how we deliver our program, which I always laugh. Some of them have been really funny. Um, we had one agency we were working with, and for their safety and our safety, they deemed it necessary that we park vehicles next to each other. The bags were transferred into their vehicle. They took them to their building. They were um, quarantined for five to seven days. Then they utilized the bags, and that was just how we made it work. You got to do what you got to do, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So you definitely have had to uh, make a shift. Yeah. Try and stay away from that pivot word because we don't want to overdo <laughs> it. But you know, it's everybody's had to had to do that. Well, what about the future? What's in the plans for the next, let's say, three years for Faith, Hope, and Love? So, um, as I was mentioning earlier, our goal is to get Faith, Hope, and Love into all seventy-two counties with our programming. In order to do that, um, one person cannot take on seventy-two counties. Um, so. Uh, we are in the process of putting those tasks in place and put our processes in place so that what we would like to do is be able to create regional chapters that would operate um, our programming within those regions. And then from there, we would branch out across the U.S. and become a national organization. Congratulations. So wow. Towards. Wow. To put together a model that is duplicatable. Yes. Right. Yes, wow. Exactly. That is exciting news. That's great. You'll have a national presence. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. So we like to make sure our audience knows if this is something that um, they can be passionate about, what is the best way that they can help you? Yeah. Um, we're not currently fully back open, but when we do open back up, volunteers are always extremely helpful. They help us with sorting through donations. They help us with packing all of the different programs that we offer to get those prepared for deliveries. Um, so volunteers are vital to our organization. Um, we have fundraisers throughout the year. Um, many of them are in local restaurants. Um, and then you can follow us on our website and hear how you can um, attend those events, and we have all those on our website. Uh, and you can also link to our social media account from the website so that you can get um, current updates. Um, we try to give updates every week on the webs on the social media outlets as to where we're delivering, so you'll see where your funds are going. Um, we have our fundraising events on there, um, and so um, that's two of the biggest ways you can get involved. Um, we have individuals that will do collection drives for us. So they'll collect items that are going into those bags. So they might do a flashlight collection drive. They might do a coloring book collection drive. Um, and then one of the other ways is if you watch on our Facebook, uh, which you'll need to link through our website, it's just an easier, cleaner way to get there. Um, but if you watch on our Facebook page, we will put out there uh, every couple of weeks what our greatest need is with links to our Amazon uh, wish list area so that you can literally order on Amazon and it gets shipped directly to us. Oh, nice. So it's no you, no contact, easy during this um pandemic that we've all been dealing with. And then, of course, the other way is to donate, which you can go right through our website for as well. Okay, wonderful. Well, why don't you tell us what the website is uh, and phone numbers, best way that people can get a hold of, of uh, Faith, Hope, and Love? 
So our website is FHL, the word for F-O-R, kids.org. And my phone number is 262-902-0556. And you can reach us that way. Okay, and you said again that the best way is to go through your website to get to your Facebook page. Correct, because okay. we've had it's harder to get through Facebook, so it's just an easier way. Okay, we always want to show the easiest way. Talk about the easiest way to get to uh, to get to your organization. Thank you, Heather, for spreading faith, hope, and love through your faith, hope, and love nonprofit. We appreciate how you're making a difference in the community. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community safe, healthy, and others-focused. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio or you can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. Visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can now listen on demand by going to Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So as always, I hope we've given you some things to think about today. Uh, if you found the information interesting, informative, and inspiring, help these nonprofits by telling someone about them and sharing this interview. It's a great way to be a blessing to others as well as to give a blessing. So stay safe, stay well, and have a great day.